This is the World Industrial News for Friday, May 6th, brought to you by Industrial Info Resources of Sugarland, Texas. This newscast is sponsored by Aviva. Listen to part four of their podcast, Sustainability and COP26. Do you have the sense that for the businesses that are there and participating in these conversations in the innovation zone, that there's sort of more accountability that arises out of that because they've, you know, made their presence known and there's sort of a growing energy around measuring commitments to change, not just making the commitments, but following up with with data. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's almost interesting. It felt this time in its own way, like the business community is 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 playing an activist role in and of itself. That's not to say that we are re- replacing the very important global youth movement that that was in Glasgow and that was there to again to remind everybody of the importance of of the impact of the decisions that were being made on their future. But I would definitely say that companies are not sitting around, business is not sitting around waiting or relying entirely on what gets decided from an international perspective. Now, there are areas where, again, we really need alignment on policy. And one one of the areas that has been left undecided for a very long time from the Paris Agreement was a a rule book aspect relating to how carbon gets traded globally across borders and and a greater alignment on carbon pricing. Yes, we do need a framework that allows for a more even approach across countries. But businesses themselves, even, you know, major heavy industry knows that carbon pricing is coming or is already active. And and they're already adapting their entire business model to operate, you know, preparing for a lower carbon world. They're not they're not waiting around. Um, And in fact, we as companies, again, can be progressive in the measures that we take and implement across our own operations. For example, what renewable energy, the the energy that we're using for our offices uh, to fund our data centers where we're developing products, where does that come from? If we do have uh, a car fleet, is it an electric car fleet? There are all sorts of ways that businesses can use our own buying power to influence things, and we are. To hear the full podcast, search for IIR's Industry Today podcast on your favorite podcast provider. A new chapter opened this week in the seemingly never-ending saga of the Mountain Valley Pipeline. Equitrans Midstream Corporation, the lead partner in the project, said it pushed back the in-service start date of the 303-mile natural gas pipeline and raised its estimated cost to $6.6 billion. Stretching from northwestern West Virginia to southern Virginia, the MVP project is 95% complete and is expected to provide up to 2 million decatherms per day of natural gas from the Marcellus and Utical shale formations to markets in the mid and south Atlantic regions. But since its inception, the project has been beset by litigation and unfavorable court rulings. By one count, since 2017, the project has garnered at least 56 civil court actions by landowners and environmental groups in Virginia alone. 
U.S. lawmakers took up a bill on Thursday that would make it possible to sue the organization of the petroleum exporting countries on antitrust grounds, a bill that opponents said would only heighten the geopolitical risk premium supporting the price of oil. OPEC Plus, a group that includes the core members of the production group and its non-member state allies, such as Russia, decided Thursday to put another 432,000 barrels per day of oil on the market come June. The decision was widely expected given the group's tendency so far this year to rubber stamp policy. Thursday's meeting to consider the June allotment took less than 15 minutes. The allotment, meanwhile, is far less than what many expect the economy needs given the supply-side pressures that resulted from the war in Ukraine. Dominion Energy Incorporated continued to flesh out its $37 billion five-year growth plan following its announced results for the first quarter with an aggressive focus on decarbonization and power grid enhancement. The company also pointed to as much as $73 billion of capital spending through 2035 with many of the same priorities. Unit additions account for the highest amount of investments of any project type from Dominion. The company plans to spend up to $21 billion on solar projects through 2035 as part of a $73 billion plan toward emissions reductions over that time frame. Dominion could spend another $21 billion on wind farm development in the same period. And after wrapping up several growth projects recently, Energy Transfer Midstream Company is advancing with other activities, notably making sales and purchase agreements for its planned liquefied natural gas production and export plant in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and shifting its sites towards petrochemicals. As Europe attempts to wean itself off Russian natural gas, the world's energy dynamics are changing, and European demand for U.S. LNG is very strong. For some time, Energy Transfer has been planning an LNG production facility in Lake Charles. In early February, before Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Energy Transfer asked the U.S. Federal Energy Regulatory Commission for a three-year extension to its permit to build the plant, enabling it to extend the plant's construction through late 2028. However, the current situation in Europe may be encouraging energy transfer to reconsider its proposed deferral. For details on these and other breaking news, read the full stories at www.industrialinfo.com. I'm Peggy Tuck, reporting for Industrial Info News.